morning. Lord Jesus, we thank you that we are a family, that you've adopted us in through uh, Jesus, the shedding of your blood, that nothing separates us now from the love of God because of what you've done, Jesus. Uh, As we look into your word, would you teach us? um, Would you uh, encourage us? Would you convict us? Whatever spirit you need to do in our hearts and minds, we invite you to do that here this morning. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning we're going to start a new series that uh, I think it might be the longest title to a series, at least in my time, uh, that I've been around since 2008. The title of the series is Out of the Overflow of the Heart, the Mouth Speaks. This is uh, based on the words of Jesus in the book of Luke, chapter 6, verse 45. He says, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil man brings in, brings." evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And so um, really what Jesus is is saying here is he's saying like you can get an idea of the the condition of your heart by just paying attention to what you say. (laughs) The words you use, uh, how you act, and, and how you behave. And you know, I don't know, have you ever had these this moment where where you just like something wells up inside of you um, and and you just push to the limit and finally you break and you just you let it out you say it and even just like as you're saying it you can't believe what's coming out of out of your mouth has has anybody had that before I, mean, I never had that happen before so I I don't know what that's like um I just I've heard that that happens sometimes but no you know like I it does. A couple weeks ago, um, we were driving here in town. We we're actually going to my parents' house who live here in town. We we're going to drop off our kids. And so it's me and my wife, Kristen, and our two kids, and we're driving. And I get behind this lady who, I'm not sure she had her foot on the gas. I'm not kidding. You. I think it might have just been like that. You know, you're slowly just rolling ahead. And I'm just sitting there and I'm going, and it's driving me nuts. It's like, lady, hit the gas. It's the pedal on the right. And so I'm just losing it. Um, and so I'm like, I'm going to show her that I'm not happy, and I just get up on her tail. Like, she looks in her rearview mirror, and there I am, you know? And I realize, like, in the moment, I'm like, this, this is, like, my wife's like, stop it. This is embarrassing, and like, you're going to get pulled over, and you know this isn't right. And I'm like, no, what's not right is what this woman is not do, you know, is doing and not doing here. Like, let's go. I got things to do. And um, finally, the gal just keeps going, and I take a left into my parents' neighborhood. I'm driving, I'm like, oh my word, what is wrong with that lady? Like, she needs to learn how to drive. And as I say that, the lights pop on. My kids turn around and go, oh, look at the nice lights. And I go, yeah, that's the police. So I pull over, and my son goes, Daddy, are you going to jail? I said, maybe. I'm not sure yet. We'll find out pretty soon here. So um, I'm sitting there, I say to my wife, and my wife's like, told you. And, and I'm like, oh, man, I hope that's so-and-so. Like, I know a couple of the Wright County sheriffs, one in particular, who's a buddy of mine, and I'm like, oh, please be him, please be him. I'm like praying, Lord, would you allow, like, in your grace. <laughs> and my wife then is going, Lord, let it not be. Teach Aaron a lesson. Like, we're, we're battling out in the unseen spiritual prayer world. Um, and I'm looking at my side mirror, and then I see the cop. I'm like, no, it's not him. And my wife's like, oh, thank you, Lord. And, uh, you know, the cop comes up and he's like, you know why I pulled you over? I go, yeah, I know why you pulled me over. That lady. And he goes, yeah, don't do that. Come on, da, 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 da. And he's like, give me your license, da, 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 da. And, uh, and then he, 
he comes back, and, and I only got a warning. Um, and which was, I was lucky. And we go to my parents' house, drop the kids, and my kids are going, Daddy almost went to jail. You know? <laughs> but um, it was a really humbling moment, you know, where, uh, you know, I sort of have this outburst. And it's funny, because it feel like it's so easy to justify, like it's so easy for me to justify, like she's in the wrong, I'm right, the world revolves around me, it's on my schedule, and lady, you're, you're you know, you're ruining it for me. And, um, and yet, those moments reveal something deeper. Jesus would, 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 would say, like, it reveals the condition of our heart. Like, when we have more and more of, like, those outbursts, when we have uh, more and more of those unkind words that come out of our mouths, when more and more gossip and slander comes out of our mouths, it's really uh, revealing something deeper, and that is a condition of our heart. That when you see and hear the good things that people are doing and the good things that people are saying, uh, Jesus says it's revealing the goodness of that person's heart. But when you hear the, the slander and the gossip or the tearing down or the judgments uh, or the outbursts, it's actually revealing that there's a, a condition, a sinful condition of the heart. And so before we look at the things that are coming out, the words that are coming out, I want to look at what's going in. Um, we're talking about the heart in this series, and I brought a heart. It's not my actual heart. Um, but this is a heart. This is what, we all have one. Um, and when I got this, I was, you know... I got this on Amazon. You can get. Every, I mean, it's, I asked a a, a doc, like a doctor last week who goes to surgery. Do you have like one of those hearts in the office that they can show you and you know show you this stuff? They're like, yeah, well, let me look. And then I like went on Amazon and I found this thing. And I'm like, okay, Amazon really does have everything. But when I got, it, I was sort of thinking like, man, I thought it would be bigger. Like it said life size, but then I realized that is life size. Like your heart is about the size of your fist. And it's been interesting looking at this heart this week, <laughs> thinking about something that is so small. That, ha that holds so much importance, you know, like into our existence and our well-being. Do we, do we have any doctors here? Any um, nurses? PA, you know? Okay, there, we got it. You're a nurse? Where? where? Uh, St. John's Hospital. What, do you, what, what area? Uh, I I'm pretending like I didn't know that. I did know this because in between services, we chatted. Um, but, perfect. So, I do have a couple questions for you. Um, and I ask this from a, because I want a trusted source. Not just me, but a trusted source. So, um, if a heart stops beating, what, what would happen? You'll die. Okay, so there's a lot at stake with our hearts. They're important. Um, would you say, from your experience um, and your expertise, taking care of your heart is important to a person's well-being? And then, would you agree that the things that you're giving 
your body play an important role in like the health of your heart? So um, I was looking for a snack and around the church and I was like, oh, here's what we got. I found these in the office. I found this in the fridge back there. I found, oh, these are the best gummies. Do you guys? There you go. <laughs> gummy, gummy bears, and then some potato chips. So if you want a healthy snack, the church is willing to provide it for you. So, like, so if, I, if this was my diet, could it have an effect on my, my heart? And like prolonged effect, like could it kill me? Maybe? Okay. So we would all then agree that the things we're inputting into our bodies have an effect, good or bad, on the physical uh, health of our heart. The question then, if we agree on that, is it true about our spiritual hearts? Are the, thing, the things that we are inputting into our spiritual hearts, uh, are they as life and death as it is with our physical hearts? The Bible would say yes. The Bible, um, when it talks about the heart, you know, it's not talking about our physical anatomy, our physical heart. It's talking about something deeper. The word heart occurs over a thousand times in the Bible. It is something that the Bible, both in the old and the new, talks about and comes back to over and over and over again. But what does it mean? What is it referring to? It, it, it is, when, when the Bible talks about the heart, it denotes a person's center for their physical, emotional, and intellectual, and moral behavior, activities. Dallas Willard puts it this way, when I speak of the heart, I refer to that center or inner core of our being from which all actions flow. It is the essence of who you are. It is the core of who you are, and it is at uh, it is the core of how you act, how you talk, how you behave, how you think. One commentator said, the heart is the source of the river of your life. It is the very source. It is the command center. Everything you do flows from your heart. The way you think, talk, and act flows from your heart. If that is the case then is it not vital for us to be aware of what we're putting into it? King Solomon um, was approached by God and, and, and he goes, I'll give you whatever you want. What is it you want? He could have had, you know, money, riches, women, all the things that the world sort of can seek in power, um, and he says, I want wisdom. And the father uh, gave, him, gave him wisdom. And uh, in Proverbs, he's writing about wisdom. And in Proverbs 4, verse 23, um, he makes a bold claim. And it's this short verse, but if, you, if we let it sink in, uh, it's bold. 
Just because it's short, it doesn't, doesn't lack power. It says, above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. So this is not just something people have been talking about the last few hundred years. Like, oh yeah, your heart is the command center of your life. It's important. Like, we're talking in ancient times, there was a recognition of the importance of a person's heart. That everything a person do is, 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 is originating, is is flowing from this source. And Solomon goes as far to say, above all else, guard it. And I, do, like, do you agree with that? Like, do you believe that? I mean, think about all the things that we guard. I mean, you guard things that are important to you, that, that hold value to. You know, like, I, my trash comes Thursday, Wednesday night, I put my trash out and I put it out on the street. And I don't think twice. I'm not worried about it. I don't, I don't guard it. If someone wants to roll on by and dig through it, take some of it, great, go ahead. It doesn't hold any value to me. It's just trash. It's worthless. But the things that hold value, the things that hold worth, the things that we care about, man, we guard relationships, family, kids, you know, our finances, time, like our homes. I mean, just your car, you know, like I, I like to take care of my car. I like a clean car. My wife doesn't really like it. I mean, it's kind of an area of contention, but that's, you know, it's a value to me, not so much her. You know, I don't eat in my car. She eats full meals in her car. I don't know how she does it, but she does it, you know. There's a different of values, and that's fine, but, but you know, do you agree with what Solomon with the Bible is saying? Above all else, all that stuff in your life, your money, your time, your relationships, your kids, like all of it, above all else, guard your heart. Do you, do you agree with that? And how could that be, how could that be true? Well, it's true because everything I've mentioned, your time, your money, your relationships, your family, your kids, all that stuff is influenced, for better or worse, by your heart. It's touching every area of your life that matters. But the origin the Bible is saying is that it's the heart. And so how good are you at guarding your heart? I heard one pastor say, we should be black belts in heart protection. I mean, do you, like, honestly, before I was working on this sermon, I didn't really think that way. I wasn't, like, looking through the lens of, is this good for my heart or not? And I probably should, should I not? Should we not be, be asking ourselves, like, is the way, are the things that I'm doing, the things that I'm, 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 I'm receiving, the things that I'm watching, you know, all the things that we're sort of allowing to influence our lives. Like, am I guarded properly against, against it? Like, can I recognize what, I, what might be good nutrition for my heart and what isn't? Because I think sometimes, like, I look and I go, oh, look how small, this is just tiny. You know, and so we, we sort of justify, like, I can have one little milky way, and then I always have nine or ten. You know, but, like, if this, if this became 
your pattern, my pattern, like get over time, it will lead to potentially dire consequences. And I wonder, do we recognize all the other sources coming from the world? And do we just go, well, it's just a little thing. It's just one little milky way. Not gonna hurt you. That's not guarding your heart. I wanna give you three reasons why uh, your heart is so important. One is this, your heart's extremely valuable. Uh, we talked about this, we don't guard worthless things. And here the, 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 the text is saying, look, you need to be on guard, you need to be guarding your heart because it is the core of who you are. And if you don't guard it well, it will transform. Like Jesus says, evil will birth evil. Sin births sin which births death. Where goodness and truth and the presence of God and the Holy Spirit birth life and righteousness and wholeness and healing. But just like if your, spiritual, if, if your physical heart stops and you die, if you don't feed your spiritual heart well, your spirit will die because, because sin gives birth to sin. And sin gives birth to death. And that's when you feel that hole. We've all been there. You feel that emptiness. And that stuff that you go to just isn't, it's just not enough. And it just, we feel like insatiable, sort of just keep going and, and hoping that, man, it, it, it'll finally click and I'll start to feel the peace that I so desire, the joy that I so long for, the contentment that I just don't feel like I have. But if, if your spirit, your heart dies because of the poor nutrition you're giving it, so does your, you know, your well-being. So does your impact in the kingdom of God. So does the, the, the hopes and dreams that God just wants to see played out in your life. Solomon says, make it a top priority to guard your, guard your heart. It is so valuable to your, to your well-being. The second is, the text says this, it is the source of everything you do. Um, he goes on to say, it's the wellspring of life. Now, um, we all know the Mississippi River, and when we think about the Mississippi River, we think about this huge river that expands from north to south the United States, and the, the mighty Mississippi is its nickname, and we think about the power and, and the length and just the, you know, like, we think of it as this large river, and yet the source of, of the Mississippi River is nothing extraordinary. If you go online and you look at what is the source of the, the Mississippi, uh, does anybody know what it is? Lake Itasca. So you go, oh, that makes sense. Big river, you know, s supplied by uh, a lake. But do you know what the source of Lake Itasca is? Which in its essence, the source of the Mississippi. It's a couple of bubbling springs. Seemingly small Bubbly springs give life ultimately to the mighty Mississippi. 
You see, uh, it is often the seemingly small things that are influencing our life that are having big effects. If you think about it, if you were to just dam up those springs and stop the flow, or dam Lake Itasca, what's going to happen? Downriver. The flow will stop. The river will stop. Same with if you put toxins into that bubbling spring or into Lake Itasca, what's going to happen? It's going to have tragic results downstream. And so the, the same is true for us. If we don't guard our heart, because it is the very spring of life, it is the spring of our well-being, these seemingly small things in our life, if we're not aware of it, if we're not guarding it, the toxicity, if we're not careful, can play a role and have effects downstream in our lives. Your heart, if unhealthy, will have an impact on everything in your life. Your family, your, rela- your relationships, your ministry, your career, your legacy. The Bible is not trying to underestimate or overestimate. It is just simply true. It is imperative that you guard your heart because it touches every area of your life. The the third thing is why the Bible is so keen on us guarding our heart is that the reality is that the heart is under constant attack. When Solomon says to guard your heart, he's implying that we live in a combat zone. We are at war and in war there are casualties. We have an enemy who is bent on our destruction. He absolutely hates God, therefore he hates the children of God. The sad reality is for many Christians, they are oblivious to the reality of this war. There's a a sort of story about ancient Eskimos uh, of how they would kill wolves. Um, what they would do is, is uh, they would take a razor-sharp knife and they would, put, uh, they would cover the, the, the knife in blood and then they would allow the blood on, on the blade to freeze. And then they would go and they would bury the handle of the knife in the snow. And what they would do is they would wait for a wolf to come up and the wolf, uh, being a predator, being attracted to, to blood, would start to lick that bloodsicle. And um, the wolf, not having any idea of what was actually happening, would, would lick and out in the elements in the cold would, would, would uh, over time lose sensitivity and feeling in its tongue and uh, would fail to recognize that he's actually cutting his tongue, which would then lead to more blood flow. And then leading the wolf to want to lick harder and more and more and more. And so the wolf has no idea that he's literally killing himself. Slowly bleeding out, unaware that he's consuming his own blood. Until the wolf ultimately died. And the Eskimos would then come, return with the, the dead animal back to their home. Whether or not it's true, that story, doesn't matter. Because in the same way, the enemy is at work numbing us through compromise. By what we allow into our hearts and into our mind. Within time, 
we are much like the wolves. We don't see that we are actually dying, dying spiritually. One of the things that, that worries me within Christendom is the way in which we've been desensitized to the world. That maybe more than ever, we are okay with things that deeply disturb the heart of God. The problem is that for so many, we become so desensitized and numb to the things of God that we, we, we have no level of conviction left. Case in point, why do we enjoy movies with violence, murder, rape, cult? Why do we read books? Why do we listen to podcasts? Why do we watch shows that glorify illicit sex, witchcraft, the occult, extreme violence, murder, rape, vampires, the list goes on and on and on. Incredibly, what God calls an abomination is today's form of entertainment. And Christians seem to be no different. We claim we don't have time for church. We don't have time for prayer. We don't have time for small groups or Bible study or devotion. But we have plenty of time for entertainment. And are we not paying a price? Do we not see the disconnect? And we easily go about rationalizing what we're watching and listening and consuming um, of questionable material because we've been desensitized. I mean, I, I'll, I'll, I'll be watching a movie and literally you'll see like people go up and shoot people. And you, it's like nothing. Or you're watching a, a show and all of a sudden it goes into a graphic sex scene. Or, I, you know, like I, I was reading a book and all of a sudden it goes into this thing and it's just like, oh, yeah. What happens is the more that we allow exposure of our hearts to this stuff and we, 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 we sort of rationalize and think it doesn't affect us, the reality is we're slowly licking the blade, slowly bleeding out, becoming more and more numb to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Slowly spiritually bleeding out and slowly spiritually dying. If I'm gonna fill my body with this stuff, it's going to have an effect on my heart. And if I'm gonna go around and just justify that it's small and it's okay and it's not that bad, over time, a failure to recognize that and, and a willingness to just go with everybody else, watch what everyone else is watching, will slowly build, slowly darken a heart and slowly turn us away from a living God. Um, One of the things I've, I've just felt like is starting to help me because I'm as guilty as anyone else is to just, before I consume, to pay attention to what effect it might have on my heart. And one of the best ways uh, is to ask myself questions like this. Would I watch this with Jesus? Like, would I watch Game of Thrones with Jesus? 
Probably not. Would I uh, join a book club and read this with Jesus? Would I listen to this podcast with Jesus? Would I go to this concert with Jesus, listen to this music with Jesus? Would I have this conversation with my friends if Jesus were, were with me, if he was hanging out with us? Would I spend my time like this if Jesus were with me? Would I, would I spend my money like this if Jesus were with me? And I wondered if I paused and I just started to ask myself those questions, if it would change my, the way I looked at things. And would it not guard my heart? Because the problem is, is we, we're just rationalizing this stuff, thinking it's small and petty and it doesn't affect us. It does. There's studies that, that were, were, were individuals were put in an MRI machine and they looked at the person's brain and then they had them watch pornography and they looked at the person's brain and they literally see biological things changing in the brain. You don't see it, you don't feel it, but that doesn't mean it ain't happening. It's creating new neural pathways. It is literally, the, the stuff we consume is literally changing our brains for better or for good. See, that works in our favor. If you're filling it with junk, it doesn't work in your favor. But if you're filling it with truth, it creates pathways, new pathways in our brains that literally change our brains. You talk about when, when Jesus says you are a new creation, you're a new creation in a lot of ways. But am I on guard? And here's, here's where I struggled with this message myself. And some of you might be sitting here like, this is so legalistic. And you know, I, I, I remember as a kid, you know, going to youth group. And most of the time, it, it, I remember hearing, don't do that. Don't do this. Don't drink. Don't have sex. Don't have cards. Don't do this. And then, but there was rarely ever like, why? Just, it's bad. God hates it. So if you want to please God, don't and do this instead. And, and there's, there's some truth to that. But I don't, God, the problem is that if it's not communicated well, we get this view of, of, of God of like, he's like this, this sort of elevated purse like thing that's sort of looking around for the good people and the people that behave, and the people that do all the good things, and the people that are spiritual. And then, uh, you know, he rewards those people. Because this is how the world, in essence, works. And then we, we, we sort of grow up looking at God as like this yes and no, and we, it boosts like God's ego when we're obedient to him. And that's just, that is not the character of God. God didn't give us prophets. He didn't give us uh, the word. He didn't give us, you know, Jesus for an ego trip. He gave it all to us because of love. He gave us the prophets. He gave us the law. He gave us things to be obedient to. He gave us a way, a new way of living. He gave us Christ for, 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 because of his love for us, because he looks 
and he sees his children who he cares about deeply and he knows what's best for us. He knows what hurts us. He knows what brings us life. He knows what brings us death. And when he sees us doing things that bring us death, it pains him. So he goes, here's a different way to live. It's in your best interest. It's the same for all the parents. You look at your kids and you, you, don't, you don't discipline them because you want to boost your ego. And if you do, that's messed up, but you don't. You do it because you love them. You go, you see the pain. You see how their bad choices are affecting them. The father looks at us as his children and he's just like, I don't want that for you. I don't, I don't, you know, I want you to know that the things that I'm calling you to be obedient to are not to boost my ego. It is for your good. I mean, this is why the, like when the Israelites came out of captivity, Here's a generations of people, uh, generations had grown up being slaves. They had no, idea, no sense of self-worth, of identity. They didn't even know how to live appropriately as free people. Do you think God gave them the law just to make it even harder on them? They didn't look at the law like we look at, oh, it's legalistic and, you know, it's about being good. And this, they looked at the law and they go, that God would care so much for us. He's giving us a way to live in our best interest because the source is the source of love, not condemnation. So I get it. Like, I, 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 you know, we are prone to want to do the things we're, that, that we're, we're told to not do. Um, but there is a price that is paid for that, and we must recognize this. And the last thing I would say is this. Remember who you are. And this is, these are my words. These are the words that God gave Peter and Paul. This is God speaking. He says, you are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praise of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You are a royal, you are a part of a royal priesthood. You are a part of a new family. You have been called from darkness to light. You have been set apart. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 19 says, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. And I, I think we fail to remember this. Like, if you've decided to follow Jesus, you no longer are your own. He paid a price to buy you from the, 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 the chains of death and sin. And when you turn to him and say, I want to follow you, he gives you the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and Paul is saying, like, you are, the Holy Spirit now lives in you. You are a temple of that spirit. You are different. You are called out. You are a different person. Therefore, you should think and behave differently. 2 Corinthians 7. Since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit. Perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. When was the last time you asked yourself, is this contaminating my spirit? Romans 12, 1-2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Now, listen to this. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing and perfect will. So my question for us this morning is, what are we feeding our spiritual hearts? What are we exposing our hearts to? Where have we become so desensitized that there is no difference in what I'm consuming than the person down the street who has no relationship with Jesus Christ? I want to remind you just who you are if you're following Jesus. I want to remind you where you live. This is not home. This is not forever. You live in Babylon. We live in Babylon. We are exiles in Babylon. Babylon is a pagan world darkened by the sin of this world. Seeking the pleasures of this world. It is not home. And when when the Israelites were exiled to Babylon, what did God say to them? I want you to seek the peace and the prosperity of the city, but you are not to conform to their way of life. You are not to eat like them, behave like them, worship like them. We are in Babylon. And we have been called to live differently. And boy, does Babylon need the church, the Christians, you and I to live differently. Why? Because we've been set apart. Because we've been called to seek the peace and the prosperity of the city. And guess what? Does any of that stuff actually give you life? Like when you sit down and you get done with Game of Thrones, do you go, oh, I feel great. I feel full of hope and joy and inspired No, I, I don't. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm watching, if you're not watching The Chosen, like if you, you know, I'm not saying to watch TV and I'm not going all that stuff, we'll read books, but, but like watching Chosen, I just, I'm left with like a love of God that is deeper. And it's not the Bible, I know, relax, but like it's, 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 show, it's telling the story of my Messiah, your Messiah. And it's giving images to what that could have looked like. And boy, is that just powerful and lovely and inspiring. And I, I don't know, at least me, I, I get done and I feel a love of, of Jesus that's a bit stronger. And I see Jesus interacting with sinners like me. And I see the love and care that he gave them and this is stories in the Bible and I'm just like, wow. Like he cares for me. And that inspires me to wanna try to be different. Try to, 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 to be a light in the midst of darkness. And guys, that's what he's asking of us. But if we're no different, we're no different. We're not offering anything better. So you can receive this in guilt and shame, and I hope you don't, but I hope we all receive it in truth and conviction and a recognition that the things we're consuming affect our heart and it will affect every area of our life. And in what ways does God want better for you? And what am I willing to say yes to and say no to to, to, to find that better? Let's pray. Jesus, um, with the power and help of your spirit, would you help us find better?
we live in a dark world that's seeking a lot of the wrong things. We live in a world that is more desensitized to things you hate than maybe ever. And I pray against the church being okay with it. And it might mean that we are ridiculed. It might mean that we're, um, in being set apart, made fun of. It might mean that we, we, are, uh, we stand alone. And yet I'm just reminded, Jesus, when you said, look, if they ridicule you, if they make fun of you, if they slander you, remember, they did it all to me first. And I pray that we would stand up for what is right, what is pure, what is good. We want life, Jesus, real life, life with meaning and purpose. We believe, Jesus, that you offer it, but protect our hearts. There is a war, a battle. We are in the midst of it. And yet, it's so easy for us just to be licking the blade, bleeding out. We don't even know it. So we pray against that numbness and ask that your spirit would fill us with fire. In Jesus' name, amen.